The following is a conversation with Trevor Forrest. Trevor Forrest is the CEO of 876 Technology Solutions and has served in the Jamaican government as a senior technology advisor at the Ministry of Science and Technology. He has over 30 years of experience in the IT industry and for the past eight years he has been a passionate enthusiast of blockchain technology. It is his firm belief that blockchain technology will become the most critical underpinning component of any digital society. He is currently one of a handful of certified blockchain architects in Jamaica and the Caribbean. I think that blockchain technology is one of the most fascinating and promising young technologies that we have today. It has the potential to destroy currencies and governments. Therefore, I think it is important that we have conversations about blockchain to better understand it and discuss potential use cases and practical applications. This is the Simon Cooper podcast and this is my conversation with Trevor Forrest. Maybe you can just give a short introduction so that people know where you are right now, what are you doing with uh, yeah, digital transformation, um, with, with blockchain in general, and then uh, yeah, we may, maybe can dive a little deeper uh, into these topics. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, obviously, my name is Trevor Forrest. I'm CEO of uh, 876 Technology Solutions. Um, it's a company I founded back in 2006. Mm -hmm. uh, primarily to provide uh, uh, specific services in, in cloud computing, hosting, uh, web application development, mm -hmm. um, uh, cybersecurity, um, and uh, document, electronic content and document management. That's how we initially started, right? Okay. Um, and one of the things about the company that at the time was somewhat unique was the fact that when I created it, I created it to be an entirely virtual company. Okay. Now in 2006, that was somewhat of a novelty because in Jamaica, we're still, you know, I just moved back after a 15 year stint in the United States and mm. virtual companies were a novelty. That concept was a novelty concept. Yeah. People didn't think it would work, but I'd seen it working in the US, so I thought that you know, um, that was the way to go, mm -hmm. uh, to be you know, very competitive. So, so the company was birthed as a virtual company, it still remains a virtual company uh, today. Uh, funnily, um, I, I laugh now, given what COVID has brought to bear right. on, on businesses, you know, and <laughs> it's like. Whenever I get asked, you know, how are you, you know, managing? I say, well, we've been, we've been functioning this way since day one. So right. this is as usual for us, given the exigencies of COVID. Um, uh, however, in, in 2015, you know, they, they went, through, went through some changes in, in the uh, service offerings and so on, uh, primarily because, you know, in looking at where the future is going, um, wanted to know really shed some of the things that that we weren't seeing as you know niche so to speak mm -hmm. um, because I, we tried to look at uh, niche areas so in 2006 cloud was niche right uh, subsequently became popular but at the time it was niche so uh, 
2015, um, look to do some restructuring within the business to, to again, move into what I viewed as the future of services in a niche way. And that's where we started to, to look at things like uh, blockchain. Mm -hmm. um, we look to be a little more laser focused on our security um, offering. So we're now looking more at information and data security as opposed to the broader umbrella of cybersecurity. Um, we're looking to do that because we want to focus on specific business and enterprise needs. Mm -hmm. um, also, what we over the you know the time period between 2006 and, and then we started to notice that a lot of we're facing a lot of challenges getting companies to understand why investing in IT was important. Um, you know, prior to to, to know. You know, IT was just a line item um, on your on your books, um, but it was a strategic enablement tool. Um, so, so one of the things we we realized was we were having a lot of problems getting people to buy into why they needed to invest heavily in IT uh, for their business and to realize a business goal. So, uh, one of the things we 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 started offering as part of that restructuring was business assessment and intelligence because one of the things we wanted to do was to um, first understand the business and the business goals and then show them how IT would help them realize those goals. Uh, it's a real challenge that many practitioners in the IT space um, have is trying to make and, and merge and meld how technology affects the business and helps a business to realize its goals, right? Mm -hmm. And to it already makes sense to us. So, so when we're telling you about it or selling it to you, um, we can't understand why it doesn't make sense to you. Uh, and the challenge with that is we don't take the time to, to, you know, merge the, the business goals with the technology and show how mm -hmm. the technology can enable that, right? So. So we started to, to look at how we could now take a completely different approach to, to helping businesses in, the, in, in Jamaica and in the region to better understand how IT um, and technology helps their business. And you know, the, the, the pretty word for that is digital transformation, right? Because exactly. uh, uh, the advent of COVID, everybody started to say, oh, well, gee, we really have to go digital or we really have to transform because it's now affecting our businesses. But, you know, if you don't understand and, and, and go about it the right way, um, you're going to find that you, you have a lot of failed projects because you didn't go about implementing it um, and understanding it from the get go. So that's, that's one of the critical components of it. So, so in a nutshell, business uh, process um, assessments and intelligence um we still do web application development and cloud cloud uh, services mm -hmm. uh, information and data security and um now the, the new thing that we're, we're we're gonna be moving into is blockchain and blockchain as a service uh, myself i'm a certified blockchain architect um and you know i really think blockchain is the next big thing likened to the internet when the internet came around 
Okay. Um, the internet fundamentally changed how we 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 exchange information. Uh, blockchain, in my view, will fundamentally change how we exchange value, um, and it's 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 way beyond just you know how we see blockchain and its impact in cryptocurrency has much broader um, applications and, and opportunities. So I, I really believe that blockchain will have the same impact that the internet had uh, on our lives. So, mm -hmm. so that's kind of, I mean, I've been in this thing for about 29 or so years. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been a journey. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know like i said i spent a lot of time in the united states when I, I moved back to jamaica because you know i i really wanted to to take the time to to help my my country my region to you know a developing country and a developing region to really grow in you know the the, the tech space and and you know show how you know, adoption and, and use of technology as an enabling um, mechanism for, for economic growth and, and, mm -hmm. and fun could really redound the benefit of the country and the region. That was really my, um, yeah. one of my, my goals. Um, I've been fortunate enough to, to, to work um, at some, some very high levels within government. I was uh, a senior advisor for science and technology to the mini at the ministry of um science energy and technology i, I did that between tw 2016 and 2018. okay um i say i kind of took a break from my business to do that you know in an effort to 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 serve you know country at a very high level mm -hmm. um so so yeah so i kind of in a nutshell that's kind of what what i'm about what my business does um, and you know, again, yeah, I guess that's it. Okay. So when you say that, um, you think that blockchain technology will be kind of the next evolutionary step of the internet. Um, why do you think that first of all, and second of all, where do you see, um, practical use cases, um, for that technology, especially let's say in the Caribbean or, or in Jamaica, um, besides crypto or besides the use as a currency, or maybe if you say that will be the main use, because I think most people only, not only, but primarily know blockchain or cryptocurrency or Bitcoin because they hear it from the news or yeah, they are thrown around numbers of people get rich really quickly and people sell NFTs for millions on Sotheby's and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a little bit wild west on the one hand and a lot of gold rush on the other hand and uh, a lot of potential also somewhere um but maybe you can help uh, yeah to to orient a little bit um, or to give a little bit of your opinion the current state of, of blockchain um in the caribbean right now or maybe a little outlook where do you think it will have this use case in the future yeah so i mean my you know my belief in, in, in what blockchain will accomplish is really steeped in an, an understanding of what it was originally meant to do. And so if you, if you know, you know, if you, well, you can indulge me for a second, but the whole idea behind 
you know, the effectiveness of the blockchain technology was was to to create some sort of technology that would allow you to exchange value directly without the need for for a third party, right? That, that may sometimes be um, overlooked because we've lived in that dispensation for such a long time. But if we consider the fact that, you know, back in the ancient days, the, the concept of bartering was this, the very thing. And then after that, we had banks and, you know, banks were created as the middle people. Why? Because, you know, there was some trust factor that had to be created between two people who wanted to exchange value, but they either didn't know each other or didn't trust each other. Right. And for, for the longest time, there was, there was, there was this, this framework of doing things and, you know, everybody has gotten used to people have, you know, been born, died, and that's all they know. That's all, all they've seen. And then, you know, you had the, the financial crash in 2008 and it unearthed and showed people just how, how fragile and in some, some, some ways corrupt the system that we hold so dear is and was. So, so that was one thing. But the other thing was the challenge of pulling the kind of trust for transactions that we're used to in our current dispensation and doing that in an entirely digital way. Because when you're talking about doing one-to-one -one transactions in a purely digital way, the nature of digital is such that a lot of stuff can happen between point A and point B that will serve to erode the trust that must exist for that transaction to occur and to cause people to want to do transactions that way, right? So, you know, like when I do certain lectures on, uh, you know, at, at, at universities about blockchain, mm -hmm. um, I'll always ask, you know, the students, so when you go and buy something on Amazon, how do you know that you're going to get it, right? Because you've never seen Amazon's offices. You don't know anything about Amazon mm -hmm. except what people told you. Right. So how do you know that you're going to get it? How do you trust giving Amazon your money to get that particular good? And it's because there's this network of things and intermediaries that if something goes wrong, you have recourse. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, now, if you were to take out all of those intermediaries and do a direct sale between one person, what's your recourse if something doesn't happen? And I think... Yeah the embodiment of what is blockchain technology is what does that. And that, that's, that's a phenomenal leap because the, the, the opportunities that exist when you can do things in that way now are massive, right? Because if you take, for example, and, and you know, everybody speaks mostly about cryptocurrency, but if, if we go outside of that and you look at things like you know, supply chain, um, where the cost of a good when you buy in a supermarket or off the shelf mm -hmm. is determined by everything that happened between the source of exactly. that and its destination. Right, right. right? And that cost 
is because there are so many middle people <laughs> between source and shell. Yeah, and all of them want to make money. Everybody has to get their cut, right? Now, if you are able to, to, to minimize the, the number of human touch points in between source and shelf, then technically you could, one, increase the efficiency and speed of delivery and also the cost, right? Well, when you look at that in, in, the, in, in terms of developing countries who not only want to import stuff, but want to export stuff, a lot of the, the hindrances that they have, the, 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 the blockades, the barriers, mm -hmm. would suddenly either be completely removed or the barriers would be lowered when you start to look at use of technologies like blockchain, right? right. Right. Uh, when you talk about um, ultimately trust in a system of transactions and value exchange, uh, you know, one of the terms that, that I use in blockchain creates trust by eliminating the need for trust, right? And it does so in a very clever way, but that's really what it does. I can, you know, comfortably transact business with people or entities I don't know. And I don't have to trust them because I know right. what's happening in between will ensure that what I expect and what they expect happens. And that's why I think blockchain is, 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 is so important, so revolutionary, because it will facilitate a future of value exchange that uh, does not exist now, that is way more you know, hyper-efficient um, and that in itself is extremely valuable, especially to, to you know, uh, small countries and developing countries globally. Yeah. What do you think um, when, or let me rephrase the question, um, one of the main um, advantages, as you just said, um, of blockchain is the decentralized uh, nature of the technology, meaning that you do not need that third party um, in terms of payments. You don't need a country. You don't need a bank to to, um, yeah, to process that payment. You can do that between two parties. Um, so what do you think um, when you hear things like that country A or country B wants to develop their own digital currency or their own cryptocurrency because from my point of view that kind of neglects the main argument for um, digital currency or for cryptocurrency meaning that it is decentralized and that no government or no bank has to full control over it or can shut it down or control the money and here some countries say okay we do our own cryptocurrency so do I have a logical error in my thinking here um, or what is your take on that situation the, the question you asked it's 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 a really good question and it's a very complex question right. because there are a couple of things we need to, to, to separate uh, when looking at um, blockchain cryptocurrencies uh, central bank digital currencies and so on mm -hmm. um, so let me see if I can, can break it down in this way. So what we are used to now is generally the, 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 the fiat currency model, right? Exactly. Um, where 
where you know you 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 have banks, you have central banks, and you have fiscal policy that's determined by uh, central banks and governments, right? Exactly. Um, I often tell people the only reason that a five dollar bill, which is printed on special paper, has value is because the government says so. Exactly. Other than that, it has no value. It's not because paper. people believe in it. Enough exactly. people believe in it that it's stable and you can pay or buy something tomorrow with it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's only because somebody says it does. Exactly. And it, you know, eviscerated all of that. Now, <laughs> the thing about it is what happened was there was some, you know, erosion of trust. Okay. What you see happening now is central banks are looking at digital currency um, because it is simply a more efficient way of dealing with the current dispensation, all right? So, so, so really and truly, they're digitally transforming the way they do business, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that it is a quantum leap in what it is that prevails now versus what needs to happen when we're talking about exchange of value, mm -hmm. right? Um, so if you think about it, post offices still exist, right? but I've never written a letter in the past, what, 30 years? <laughs> um, banks may still exist, but given what decentralized exchange can do, things may start to function around those institutions, right? Now that is where, and that is what the advent of cryptocurrencies in their various forms and flavors has kind of highlighted to people mm -hmm. that, hold on a second, all my life I was of the view that the only way to exchange value is between me, the bank, and somebody else. And then the advent of crypto kind of started to show people that, oh, wait a second, there is another way. There may be a better way. Now, what's happening is in the fight to maintain relevancy, right? And, and in, in the fight to stave off the disruption that is occurring, mm -hmm. central banks and governments have to make an adjustment they've chosen to go the, the, the digital currency route. That would not have happened if what you see in the form of cryptocurrencies, bolstered by blockchain, didn't have, you wouldn't see that because they'd be quite happy the status quo. But what it has also done, it has showed people and governments that, hold on, all of this, you know, because, you know, you have geopolitical, uh, situations that play out on a daily True. basis yeah. um you know all of these things that we're dealing with that we have to consider you know multilateral integration um and dependency uh you know geopolitical impacts on my economy and so on um you know the fact that the playing field is not level mm -hmm. <laughs> right True. yeah it's true because uh, because my country is not in the G7 and it's not in the G20, but they dictate things that have huge impacts on, on my country. Yeah. Um, 
is is there or does this new phenomenon represent a way for the playing field to be a little bit more level for 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 developing or smaller developing countries to have uh, more influence impact in such a way that their economies can grow faster right mm -hmm. that's kind of those are the questions that are being tossed around in a different fora because one mode of thinking is saying that look the cryptocurrency space balances the the or, or levels the playing field it creates a different level of financial freedom um for 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 for, for people uh but at the same time it could have a very serious disruptive effect to the status quo which is a global thing that maintains balance and stability right so how do you now look to and i'm not a financial expert i'm not an economist i'm not any of those this is just the stuff that we have to contend with when we're looking at the effects of what we're being called to implement and advise on as mm -hmm. blockchain experts and so on but how do you now find a balance between the two or find a transition between the two and how do you move to that because these things can't happen overnight mm -hmm. people can't take those kinds of shifts uh that quickly because there's so much that depends on the status quo that simply shifting gears and so i you know one of the major things just just an example is you know the, the discussion about money laundering and what the anonymity and decentralization of cryptocurrency right. um, does for nefarious actors whether they be terrorists or 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 drug dealers or you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing how do you how do you ensure that you're able to manage those those kinds of risks so to speak um uh and then maintain sustained you know levels of economic activity and that kind of stuff so 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 it's a very complex question um but i think what countries need to do is understand or make decisions that point in the direction that look both of them are going to be there um just like i said post office still exists but we have email <laughs> um central banks and commercial banks will still exist where we have different currency exchange um, or different value exchange mechanisms right and look at how you can function in a space um through legislation regulation and awareness so that you can function safely or people can function safely in both spheres and if needed you can you can have sufficient integration between the two where necessary mm -hmm. right so you know when you look at what el salvador has attempted to do they're saying look the us dollar is their currency of choice but a cryptocurrency is legal tender and you can you know exchange but as simple as that how it's going to work out yeah we don't know but let, let's try it and see and you know we 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 fix it as we go mm -hmm. um i think it was a very bold step but 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 that's how we kind of have to look at it crypto is not going away neither is 
Well, blockchain technology for sure isn't going away. Yeah. Uh, I, I know a lot of people focus on crypto, but crypto isn't going away. Um, so we need to, you know, and the more people see the kind of freedom they have in that space, I think, you know, it's going to be a situation where, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to make the two work. Yeah. And over time, you know, people will decide which one they're more comfortable with. Yeah. Right? Again, post offices still exist. They still, their function has evolved. Right? Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's, that's kind of, you know, how, how countries, uh, governments, and people have to kind of look at, you know, how they engage with, think about, um, this new new realm of of digital um, currency mm -hmm. uh, because understand you know the the advantages and the problems that this new way of doing things solves answer a lot of the questions and complaints people have had for years but because it has always decisions have always been centralized where you have a bunch of people who determine what's good for everybody instead of everybody right. what's good for them you know, which is why decentralized systems are so appealing because the masses determine what what is 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 you what know needed. Yeah. for them. Yeah, right. So where do you see? Um, you just said that you that there is need in a lot of fields. What would be the fields um, where, where blockchain, or generally speaking, use cases of digital transformation in in your field or in the Caribbean, or what you say see in your in your daily work? Definitely. So, so I see a lot of use for blockchain technology in um, both public and private sector, um, especially government services, because we have in, 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 the, in the Caribbean, um, government is notoriously inefficient. Um, and that's, be, that, that's for a number of reasons. Okay. Uh, but but um, I see a lot of use. I, I, blockchain is not a silver bullet for everything. You have to really assess where its value um, comes. But when you look at things like, um, uh, you know, in, 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 in government, when you're going to land titling, um, in Jamaica, getting mm -hmm. a title for a house can be a very daunting task. And that's because of everything that has to happen between, you know, you identifying the land you want and you getting the title for it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the reason for that is a lot of middlemen. Um, a lot of steps. Yeah. You look at, at, at the, I mean, something like buying a car. There's no such thing as impulse car buying in this country. You can't go into the car dealership, see a car, and get immediately. That's 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 a novel, if not rare or impossible occurrence, mm -hmm. right? Um, because of all the things that have to be done, you know. So when we're talking about you know things like uh, tax collection, um, reduction in bureaucracy and corruption, because it's bureaucracy that drives corruption. Um, if you if you and the reason for that is because there's so much bureaucracy. This is a vicious cycle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, people in government tend to feel that citizenry is going to try to. To, to scam them or, or steal. So everybody's a criminal. Um, so we have to put systems in place to prevent people or save people from themselves or prevent people from becoming a, a criminal. 
mm-hmm. even though they're not a criminal, right? Mm-hmm. So we put all of these steps in place to catch perhaps 2% of the people, but 98% pay for it. Suffer, yeah. Right, exactly, right? So, so uh, if, if, if you could, could somehow create an environment or a system or use a technology where um, you would be able to quickly eliminate the, the, the concerns and issues you have with that 2%, then suddenly you have more efficient services and a happier citizen. And I think blockchain technology, um, one, facilitates hyper-efficiency, but also engenders a lot of trust because the people who are interfacing with these systems, they don't trust the people who they're interfacing with, right? So, so if you kind of get to a point where it's like, look, this is not about the people who, who you're concerning yourself with. This is more about the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you generate sufficient trust in the technology based on how it works, then I think people will, you know, be happier. Transactions will be will be, be smoother, quicker, more efficient, and governments start to collect more revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you have, you know, like I said, you know, you know, land titling um, in, in an economy such as America where we do a lot of of entertainment, music. Um, again, blockchain technology. Uh, allows creatives, artists, and so on to ensure that they get paid for their for their creative for work. Their work yeah. um, and in the region, mm-hmm. uh, blockchain technologies through 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 NFTs uh, solves that kind of problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there are quite a bit of 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 you know areas that you know. Generally, I think blockchain technology solves. Now, in, 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 in the private sector space, you know, insurance, uh, supply chain, as I mentioned before, right. you know, a lot of advances in the financial sector outside of currency. We're just talking about any process where you have an over excess of middle people. <laughs> um, you want to look at uh, blockchain technology that, that would help you in the digitization of of those uh, processes, right? And as such, you you find that service delivery um, in a more efficient way, um, in a in a in a frictionless manner, is is what most people want. Mm-hmm. And if it represents a significant business advantage, if you can do the same thing that the competitors are doing in a shorter period of time at a lower cost. Yeah, agree. Um, I want to dive or touch a little bit on the, um, let's call it security or transparency aspect or however you want to call it, because I think um, you mentioned government and corruption, etc. I think blockchain generally is a, let's call it pseudo anonymous slash transparency technology, so it would help on, on that side. Um, but I also want to get your opinion in terms of, I think, how important is the technology on the one hand, meaning blockchain with all of its uh, derivatives, whatever. Um, On the other hand, um, the human or the human skills, because we can have the most secure technology, blockchain, ledger, whatever, if someone um, 
yeah doesn't have a secure server or uh, doesn't have a secure password or whatever then that's the equivalent to yeah you have a high secure home but you don't lock the door um so how do we ensure on a, on a government level maybe to make sure okay the the people are trained or skilled enough or yeah to make sure that uh at the end of the day we do not have the human ever um causing the whole not the whole system but uh to collapse but to causing damage Absolutely. So, so you know, it is one of the biggest challenges of of building what many many people call a digital society, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Of building a digital society, digital literacy, yeah. where where you, you you start to teach your citizenry about this environment, so that they can sensibly function in that environment and demand uh certain types of services in that environment right so so it's very important to ensure that people are digitally literate now that starts in your educational system and it needs to start very early because sometimes you know you don't see the full benefits until you have a generational shift mm -hmm. but that generation that's coming in has to be aware they have to be literate they have to understand um and the generation that exists has to be made aware right now it's kind of harder for the one that exists to be made aware because they're used to the status quo the ones that are coming in are sponges and they're like oh yeah it's great i'll absorb everything um so you know my son you know he's playing games on his 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 you know xbox or, or playstation or whatever and you know they're exchanging digital currency in the form of v bucks now it's no way of right right stuff, right um but that's their norm mm -hmm. that's what they're coming in with. uh you know people you know you know my age and older we're still uh, many of them you know many of us you know we still use paper money uh, i mean some of us don't <laughs> but it's the reality right so so um getting people to understand that fundamental shift uh that must occur to to you know move to that digital society which is a very complex undertaking is very important because when you go digital digital assets of all sorts are extremely portable and they're very malleable right and because of that as you rightfully asked there's always a question about security because mm -hmm. if i have a hundred million dollars i can put in my safe and do a whole bunch of stuff to you know either my office or my house uh to prevent people from coming in mm -hmm. this is slightly different in an entirely digital space now because you have very clever um you know actors in the in, in in the cyber space that if your platforms and systems have been secured in a particular way they can gain access to your assets and remove them and they never leave the house right they never have to break a grill or a door down you know so so understanding and awareness of what it means to function in digital space what it means to 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 now be digitally secure 
you know, you can't walk around and leave your password on a post-it, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Um, those are the kinds of things that we, you know, we need to ensure that people understand. You know, I always tell people that, listen, when you want to go and, you know, exist, trade and invest in the crypto space, understand this, your money is your responsibility. There's no deposit insurance agency. There's no protection, so to speak. Yep. So when you lose your money, it's gone. Yeah, if it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. But that is part of the responsibility of functioning in that space. And you have to be aware of how to do that, right? Um, so a fair amount of understanding and literacy, digital literacy is very important if you expect or hope to see adoption of this kind of thing going forward. So, so there's a lot of time. And again, I always say, a lot of my colleagues in the space, you know, when we're talking different forms, it's like, they're like, oh, why, why can't we do it? Why is it happening so slow? It's, it's a process. Mm -hmm. It's not everybody, you know, just like I said before, IT practitioners, we already get it. Mm -hmm. It's just that the people we're talking to don't get it. I can't understand why they don't get it, but it is up to us to, to, to try to make them aware, make them understand, because if they don't understand, they're not going to buy into it. They're not going to adopt it and it won't happen. Yeah. Right. So, so, so we kind of need to ensure that there is awareness, uh, literacy in this space, because that's the only way people are going to get comfortable with it and, and adopt it. I mean, I'll give you a story. There are people right here in Jamaica that, you know, like every morning I'm, you know, driving to, to my office, I drive past two banks. And there are lines outside the bank. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I, I, it drives me crazy. I have no concept. Of that. I do not go inside a bank unless I really, really, really have to. You have to. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> but the fact is there are people who still stand up in a line because they feel they must go into the bank. Why? Because they don't trust doing stuff online. And where does that mm -hmm. come from? They do not trust something they can't see. Right, so when they go into the bank, they take their money out and they give it to a person. And if yeah. something happens to that, that money, they go back and say, I gave it to you. What did you do with my money? So they can hold somebody accountable, right? Mm -hmm. Now, how do you transition that mindset into a digital realm where you don't see, you don't even see the money. Right. Right. You don't see the paper. So, mm -hmm. so you kind of have to educate, get people to be digital aware, let them know that, look, things exist uh, in, in, in a digital space. I mean, there are people who go to the bank to say, I want you to take my money out, put it right here in front of me so I can count it and then I'll give it back to you just so that I know that my money is in the bank. Do that, <laughs> right? So, so, so we kind of have to be, you know, cognizant of those realities because if, if you can't, you know, acknowledge that that exists and you won't be able to know the approach you need to take to convince people that look you want to transition to the space why because when you're walking with a hundred thousand dollars in your wallet there's a guy standing on the corner waiting for you and he's going to jump to you and take your money all right however if you're walking around with a piece of plastic he's going to be robbing you for practice because you can just remove access to 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 everything tied to that with a phone call, right? So, so it's really a, a, a process. Um, it has to start with, 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 you know, our youngest because they are the future generation. And if we intend to 
to really realize this thing called a digital society, we have to start there. Uh, the other thing that is very important, um, and this is from a government or policy making standpoint, is I think it's important for every government to define and describe what their version of a digital society looks like in the form of policy and so on. Because if you don't do that, then you're not going to be able to determine the, the, the roadmap to get there, right? And a lot of times you have governments are stumbling onto digital society strategies and goals without themselves defining to, to themselves and their citizens what a digital society for them looks like. Mm -hmm. Every government and country needs to do that. It's the responsibility of policymakers to create policies like that to inform the citizenry, because that is how you now determine uh, what school curriculum has to be, because in 20 years, this is where we need to be, right? So, so these are some of the important things that we have to look at. Look at the laws, look at the, the, the educational system, look at the policies that determine and define where we need to be. Because if you don't do that, then it's going to be a comedy of, of, of errors and, you know, luck. <laughs> yeah, they call it lemony snickets that, that really, you know, determines that. And that's not a very safe and sustainable way of mm -hmm. doing it. So I think good policy as it relates to what digital and a digital society looks like is very important because that is what kind of you know, galvanizes our efforts to move in that direction. So is it fair to say that you would say the government is responsible for setting the policy, making sure the regulatory environment is there, digital literacy programs in the education Absolutely. system maybe, and then the private sector has the responsibility to actually yeah, build the solutions, build the applications uh, to enable that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it, it's, it's, so it's a trifecta of, of, of um, or let me say a triumvirate of, <laughs> of people working here. It's public sector, private sector, and academia um, that have to work together to ensure that uh, policy, you know, uh, education, um, implementation, and that kind of stuff uh, works effectively right. to, to realize that, <coughs> that, that, that end result. Mm -hmm. right? Because, I mean, if you look at it in the form of like a Venn diagram, you have three circles overlapping, right? The circles can be big, mm -hmm. but that end point, which is the overlap of all of them, is very small. Right, so, uh, but that's a very, yeah. very effective small area, right? Yeah. Small so, target to hit. Yeah, yeah, very, exactly. <laughs> so, so it, it, I think that that you know you have to have that level of, of partnership and cooperation, but also understanding of of all the the, the major players mm -hmm. um, to to really realize. Uh, you know that 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 outcome that you're looking for right all right trevor forrest thank you very much for taking the time any final words anything else you want to say that we haven't touched on so uh, far no. you know i think <laughs> you covered a whole lot <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, but I mean, no, look, I, you know, I'm always game for, for discussion of this nature. Um, so, you know, people can always jump on and, you know, follow me on Twitter, um, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, my Twitter handle is, you know, Trevor Forrest. You see, you'll see um, my descriptor is Mr. Open Source. Um, that's because I'm a big open source software proponent, right? Go figure. Um, so, you know, you can hit me up on Twitter um, at Trevor Forrest, and you can look for me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm always game for discussions of this nature. Thank you for listening to this conversation with Trevor Forrest. I appreciate it and hope to see you next time.